<laughs> Hello from Amsterdam. <laughs> We've been having a great time in the cold, cold weather, walking around. We haven't drinking. left yet, and it's not going to be that cold. <laughs> it's going to be as warm as it's been here lately. Oh, well. Supposedly. Okay. We'll see. Well, we're not in Amsterdam right now. By the time you guys hear this, we will be walking the streets of Amsterdam. Nobody even touched you. That was my hurt toe. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, we're battling for ground space. That's right. We don't really have a recording studio. We're Obviously. In our, living room. <laughs> <laughs> our living room is our recording studio. Yep. And our co-producers are standing by. Booking by that, she means they're asleep. They don't. They aren't yeah. much help if you, if you couldn't tell. I feel like they add something to the podcast. I feel like they add a distraction for you. Yeah, definitely. Stop poking <laughs> booger. Leave her alone. Don't put your hand there. <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> you can leave the leave her alone. <laughs> She's so cute. Oh, we should probably tell them what this podcast is. Yeah. Somebody's going to be listening for the very first time and be like, what am I listening to? Uh, that's the point, right? Well, we have an answer for you. I just found rice in the carpet. I have no We haven't eaten rice out here in like four <laughs> days. <laughs> I promise I vacuumed last weekend. Okay. Anyway, yeah. for those of you <laughs> who have no idea what you're listening to, listen to the ramblings of us. This is... Voyage Diverse Vintage. That is Danielle. Hello. And that's James. Thank you for finally introducing me. <laughs> okay. We're going to cut out all of that of him being sassy. So this week we decided that we are going to go with a wine crimes episode. Do I'm so excited. A different. Yes. Just I don't know, for funsies because I don't know. It sounded fun. Yeah. Crime is always <laughs> fun to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't have much of an update. And, you know, who wants to listen to that anyway, apparently? <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. We're also cutting that out. <laughs> Danielle's not a big fan of our update episode. Here's the thing. This is why. It's because right now we're just in the beginning stages of even doing our planning. And so we don't really have any updates to give because we're not really doing anything on that front. We do have updates. We have some updates, but it's I think mainly... we just need to be more structured. Maybe. And say, here's what we have to update them on, and we can go on our riffs and rambles as well. Yeah. Well, I guess as an aside, one of our updates is that we decided that we're going to plant some some vines oh. in, our, yeah. <laughs> in our front yard. Let's see if we can get our hands on some vines <laughs> to plant in the front yard. And then we will harvest them, and then we will make our own wine. We'll make what two bottles <laughs> yes max in three to four five years what oh yeah because you have to wait that long for them to yeah, actually produce, produce fruit fruit well they yeah. produce fruit but it's not any good yeah the first or second year yeah yeah so for those of you who are not ebden is that the right word eb in the wine industry no nope, i don't know Adept? I, I don't know if whatever inept oh that's not a good thing <laughs> If you don't know much about wine <laughs> or growing yeah. wine. If you're not practiced in grapes. vineyard management. Yeah. Then um, you wouldn't know that it takes about three years for um, a vine to produce viable fruit for for, for wine, wine grapes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, let's get into the fun stuff. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to go first? Who's going first? Me? Tell me about your story. Tell me your story. Tell me your story. What's your sign? I'm really excited yeah. to hear about this. You said that you had a couple stories. Yeah. I'm so excited. Okay, let's do this. Open safari. So we decided to drink a bunch of beer today because, uh, you know, we're a wine podcast, but okay. that's not all we drink. I'm going to shift my microphone. Okay, Hold on. do it. And today I've been drinking the wonderful Sea Quench Ale by Dogfish Head. What? That's not what its name is. Dogfish yeah, it is. Head. I just said it weird. <laughs> you said it like the Sea Quench Ale. Yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah. Sea Quench Ale. That's good. That's it's like amazing. all you drink whenever we're going through Sea God, it's so freaking good. It's lime and salt. It's like a margarita in beer form is what mm-hmm. it is. And it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had some apricot thing. Yeah. James has mentioned on And now some... I have 
chocolate Heart too. and Science West Coast IPA by Ninkasi, Ninkasi, which is an Oregon local. Yeah, craft brew company. We were going to use it on some pork when we were going to smoke it, but I kind of got into it first, so. (laughs) Oh, and if you guys didn't know, the Portland area is really huge for, like, craft beer, so Mm -hmm. pretty pretty cool living in this area. Now that the weather's warming up a little bit, it's a bit more beer weather to me. Yeah, so if you guys ever need some um, inspiration or recommendations on where to go for beer or wine... In the Portland area, reach out to us. Yep. We can point you to about six places total. At least. <laughs> no, we can tell them more. Yeah. We can do better than that. I was just being silly. Do you have your stuff loaded yet? Yeah, I do. Okay, cool. Tell me. So I've got... This is actually what I'm going to be reading. Okay. Is a multi-portioned article from Newsweek. But some of the stuff I've read books on before. Okay. And um, this article is How to Commit the Perfect Wine Crime, Steal a Case, or Make Your Own by Alexander Nazarian. This is not a how-to podcast episode. Maybe it is. <laughs> we can't control you guys. We <laughs> Please su- don't. We aren't suggesting anything. Please do not do any of this stuff. Or do. It's not for us to tell you what to do. But please don't. <laughs> <laughs> so... I am quite interested in murder, but... Murder. Murder. So, we'll go with what I read about most recently. And what's kind of first in this article as well. 2005. All right. I'm there. There's a fire at Mare Island. How old was I? 2005. Fifth grade? Yeah. What was I doing? You're 11. You were born in 94. Yeah. Okay. I'm there. (laughs) 11-year-old Danielle. So, pigtails, doggo, yep. little black lab retriever mix. He was quite cute. Okay. You're, you're, you're helping me so much. Okay, go ahead. I was filling in time. <laughs> I was ready. Okay, go. I was trying to get going. Go. <laughs> so, October 12th, 2005, big old fire at Mare Island. That was actually this right old... before your birthday. Yes. It was. <laughs> Technically, sure. <laughs> At Mare Island, used to be a naval base in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh-huh, Turns uh-huh. out, it's a massive wine warehouse. We'll roll back the clock. What is happening? I'll set the scene a little bit. Okay. For where this whole thing ends up. Mare Island, um, it's an old military base in the San Francisco Bay um Area, area. That's in California. Yep. And not Northern California. It, eh. I don't consider it Northern California. I feel like SF is kind of the switchover point. I don't know. From like central to northern. It really bothers me when people are like, I'm from NorCal. Here. And it's like south of San Francisco. Like, oh, I'm, I'm like, from no. Salinas. Like, yeah, no, not really. that's not Northern California. I'm from Northern California. <laughs> We're like just barely north of San Francisco. If you look at it longitudinally oh i guess so. latitude it's like yeah. three hours north of san francisco we're east we're mostly east yeah okay you anyway look at a map real quick <laughs> no go yeah. on with your story yeah placerville <laughs> placerville i mean we here are way north we're mostly just east i guess so we're barely above but anyway back to my story Mare Island, military base, Vallejo, California. Ooh, I know where that is. Predates the Civil War. Um, the little boy bomb components went through there before they were dropped in Hiroshima. Ooh. Um, the Navy in 96 moved out of the base mm-hmm. and left it up. Businesses snapped it up. Um, and then in fast forward to 02, a new tenant bought building 627 big old warehouse <laughs> big thick walls good for storing things like wine that needs um, climate control temperature control so this story is really well covered in tangled vines as well as very briefly in this article that's a book yes i was gonna get there sorry a book by francis dinkelspiel 
and she actually has a connection to what goes on. Um, so, and it's, I don't know, it's a very well-researched book. It goes all the way back to the mission days of California and follows the history of wine grapes in California, the ebb and flow. And it's just a really, really cool read if you're so interested, I don't know, if you're interested in things like that, mm-hmm. kind of history and wine and a personal story related to this, what I'm covering now, and I won't give it away quite yet, what Kay. happens. Yeah. So there's, sorry, go ahead. So no, there's a ahead. warehouse. There's a bunch of wine stored in this warehouse. Yes. Okay. So the place was called Wine Central. Um, and this guy, Mark Anderson, he stored... 5,600 cases of wine um, through his company there. So did they... So he rented it... space from the people who owned the building. Okay. Who also rented out space to other people storing wine. Was it kind of like Total Wine where you could go in and buy wine? No. No. It's it was a storage, so... Just storage. He was like a middleman. Like someone owned the building. He rented space, but then he had clients who's who he would store wine for. Okay, gotcha. Basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had, what did I say, 5,600 cases of wine. Um, he he was kind of a weird, eccentric guy. Lived in a houseboat. Wrote for the local paper. Gave the sense that, as this article puts, one of the many estate babies living the easy life in Marin County. Um, <laughs> so, but he, at some point through uh, mismanagement so he was originally in Sausalito Sausalito storing people's wine mm-hmm. couldn't pay rents at the building as they clone, climbed clone grew grew there yeah um, so he moved to he moved all of his wine to the uh, wine central warehouse the place on Mare Island and he didn't let his um, clients the people whose wine he was actually storing know he just he just Up moved, and it. moved it. Yep. That's nice of him. Um, and this necessarily didn't just happen while he was moving the wine, but he had been slowly but surely stealing people's wine out of their storage, out of his storage. Would units. he like take one or two bottles at a time and just put it in his personal storage? He took a bunch and he sold like forty or fifty thousand dollars worth of wine in one go didn't tell the people who was storing wine for no so they didn't get any of that he just was getting the money (laughs) he was he was ripping people off so that's yeah that's a good moral character yeah yeah so he was just pulling expensive bottles out of people's collections sold them to um, other collectors to like wine merchants across the country um using his own name at first but then his People got suspicious. He started a, like a not really started a shell company because it wasn't an actual thing. He just started using the name of some company. Mm-hmm. Um, so he started out smallish, it seems, um, offloading a few bottles here and there, some very fancy bottles that are like hundred, four hundred dollars a bottle. One of the biggest buyers was Golden West. Is the name of the place. They bought almost $300,000 worth of wine from him. Um, and then another place, Premier Crew, bought, again, um, about $300,000 worth of wine from him that was not his own. Jesus. He yeah. is, like, raking in the money at this point. Yeah, and so that's early on. And then in '03, he had a client who decided he wanted his wine back. He'd been paying... <laughs> $600 a month to store 756 cases of wine. Jesus Christ. Um, hoping to auction his wines off because he had a restaurant go belly up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He sent movers out to retrieve the wine because it's 756 cases. That's no, a lot of money. No rich guy is going to go and move that themselves, or very no. few would. <laughs> 756 cases of wine times 12 bottles per case. Yeah, that's a ton of wine. That is over 7,000 bottles of yeah. wine. That's over 8,000 bottles. Holy fr- I can't do math. That's why I keep you around. Love you. Because <laughs> 7 times 12 is 84. 
Yeah, that makes sense. It's mm-hmm. pushing 9,000 bottles. Whew. Yeah. Um, so the mover called called the guy up, mm-hmm. said, uh, hey, there's only 144 <gasps> cases of wine here. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so the guy had sold off the rest of the wine. 612 cases of that guy's Holy wine. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Mark Anderson. And he came up with all these wackadoodle, implausible excuses as to how that happened yeah um and another collector what were some of his excuses do you know uh, i can't remember off the top of my head i mean i have read and finished the book but it's been a couple months now, yeah and i'm using this article as the outline so gotcha sorry it's not uber detailed but go read the book if you want to know we're not here <laughs> yeah. to give you exact yeah. you know so facts here after that another collector ron lucier um he had entrusted this guy mark anderson with valuable bottles um he oops sorry uh he retrieved some of his cases and had found out that anderson had swapped out two buck chuck for um a few of his bottles or more than just a few but so he was taking the guy's labels and putting them on? No. Oh, okay. He just, like, in whatever packaging was in, mm-hmm. he took out the good bottles and put in. So, like, I don't know if they were wrapped or if they were in cases or if they were in special things. But he, like, opened up but whatever his cases were. he just opened it up, take the bottle out, and put in the $2 bottle. <laughs> and those, so he was swapping out literally $2 bottles of wine for ones that were valued at $650 a piece. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, law enforcement got a whiff of what was going on. I would People hope so. tipped them off. Um, and so in April of, I think this would be 04, IRS and police raided his place. They found a lot of, like, how to disappear books and how to change your identity <laughs> books. And a step-by-step guide to vanishing without a trace. Well, you can't... And this goes through to... You can't, sorry. like, give him any grief for doing his research. He was trying. <laughs> he was he trying his effort. best. <laughs> um, so in 2005, Wine Central, the place where he had just out of the blue moved his stuff to, told him to take his wines. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it because they heard about all of what was he, yeah, what he was doing? And he wasn't really great about paying rent on time, and he was causing problems. Here's and the, the thing: police had showed up there, and yada yada yada. Here's yada. the thing: if you're pulling in that much money, you best be paying your freaking rent. Well, his his problem was, from what I read in the book, was he was living off his dad's dime for a long time. And then his dad, who was old and retired, and finally like on a fixed income. It was like, I can't give you, like, I don't have money to give you anymore. Yeah. And so he turned this business into his little cash cow. Gotcha. And so he was living the big life off of other people's wine, basically. Was he also taking care of his dad with that money because... No. Well, how rude! His dad was the was the money, was the bank, basically. Yeah, but then yes. his, his dad was on the fixed income. You would think that, you know, he'd be well, like... he, like, blood his hey, dad, dad dry, and then he's just like, well... Peace! Yeah. How rude. That's what it sounded like. That's... Um, so, October Dick 12th, move. 2005. He <laughs> arrives at Wine Central to clear out his storage space, uh, but little do people know, he had a blowtorch and rag soaked in gas, and inside his storage space, he stacked up a bunch of flammable stuff, empty wine cases, which are cardboard, odds and ends like that, mm-hmm. made a pile, threw rags on there, Used the blowtorch to start it. The fire burned for eight hours. Destroyed a quarter billion dollars worth of wine. So $250 million worth of wine. Um, It wasn't just the wine in his client's collections. It was all, not all, but most of the wine in that warehouse was destroyed. Can I just ask why? Like, why would somebody... Was it just like a big fuck you to the rest of his clients? Like... Yeah, and to try and cover up how much he actually stole. That's fair. Because if you, like, burn all the evidence, then... Yeah. That's... It's not... Yeah. Yeah. And he was, like, a big... I don't know. Like I said, he was living off this place, selling other people's wines out from under them and all Mm -hmm. that stuff. And so, I think... 
there's not a count, but it was four and a half million bottles. Yeah, four and a half million bottles of wine. Um, and it was, some of it was, some of it was the wine of very rich people who, yes, that is unfortunate, but they're very rich and they can They can afford to it. use a couple, lose uh, a couple bottles. Yeah, uh, but some of it was, you know, through other people with rented space there, it was smallish wineries who had fought tooth and nail to get going and that was you know their not like their complete reserve but it was like one place it was an entire vintage Mm -hmm. and it was a fairly recent one so it completely completely screwed them for a while that sucks um but there if you read the book there's lots of good feel good stuff at the end about customers who are very like in tune with these wineries and have great relationships sending like wine they had stored back because like this one guy had stored wine there that was going to be this big 25 year vertical thing that he was going to have some big party because he was you know been doing it for winemaking for 25 years so he had and he so Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. So he was storing other people's wines or he was storing some of his wines? This Anderson guy was, but the other guy. Yeah. Owned the the vineyard or was a winemaker. I can't remember exactly, but he had stored 25 years of his wine. His own A certain amount. And he was planning on doing a big vertical tasting, Mm -hmm. which is just year after year of the same varietal, same block. Yeah. To see how like the different years. Yeah. Um, developed and and how bottle aging has affected them and it's a really neat thing yeah um but all that went up in the fire but he had people you know good friends people you know customers all over the place sending him old bottles that they had in storage so he was able to have a big old vertical tasting in the end that's so nice well that was a really great story good job oh thank you you're welcome i've got there are some wine fraud ones that are pretty interesting. Um, if you look mm-hmm. up Invino Duplicatas. Oh, yeah. Or um, there's a Netflix, something on Netflix about it. But Rudy Kurniawan and how he um, That's forged a, a bunch of wine very high-end right? wine. Yeah, ain't, like not ancient, but very old, very high-priced wines. Um, and his little slip-ups, like, I think of the, what was it, a... Ponceau? He marked a bottle in a way, or no, he made a magnum, a fake oh, yeah. magnum of their wine from a certain year, and the winemaker, it was, was like he looked back and he's like, we didn't do magnum, like he's like he saw it up for sale at an yeah. auction house, and he's like, I don't, I'm pretty sure we didn't make magnums of that this year, of that vintage, yeah, yeah, of so that year. sorry for. For uh, people who are just getting into the wine industry, when somebody says a wine is of this vintage, it means that it was produced within that year. Yeah. And then there are non-vintage wines, which are blends of wines from multiple years. Yeah. And then, so this vintage, there weren't any magnums made, and that was the first tip off that something was hinky. <laughs> so a magnum is what, it's like two, two, two yeah, bottles? Is a bottle that holds double the normal amount. Yeah. And then there's also like... Jerboms and Nebuchadnezzars and stuff like that, which <laughs> just, just get huge bigger and bigger. bottles yeah. of wine. <laughs> and Those so are for parties. He did that, and then there are other discrepancies. Like he completed, I think, two makers with a similar name, and he stamped the wrong name on some labels oh, he God. made. And it turned out, and so one of the hinky things that made some people suspicious at first was. He'd go out to these big fancy tasting dinners with all these, you know, other people who are super into the industry, you know, into the like wine collection and like the once in a lifetime style bottles. And he'd always ask the restaurant after they left, hey, can you, um, can I either take these bottles now or can you send them to me? Mm -hmm. And normally that's not something that they do Hmm. unless it's like, one you know like a family comes in and they have this really expensive bottle and they want to keep that one bottle yeah but it's not normal for someone to be like hey can you send me these you know 15 or 20 bottles that are from wines that are worth you know multiple hundreds to thousands of dollars and are extremely hard to find yeah 
Right. Um, and he'd also tweak things and like tweak years. So he'd, and he'd make his own mixes and relabel things and refill bottles and recork them and all this really gnarly stuff. Here is the thing. If you're going to be a criminal, you got to be a smart criminal. I mean, he was pretty good. He just got greedy, I think. Well, you, yeah, I guess like if you're going to... a lot of people. If you're going to like make a magnum of something... Yes, you got to do your research. You got to do your research, guys. I think at guys. that point, he was just getting greedy and going big. We're not condoning yeah. anybody no. who's trying to do some wine fraud because don't do it. But he and there had been someone previously who had gotten the same guy william cock coke <laughs> one of the, the other coke brother who's not the politically active group. yeah um and that's who really started going after these wine fraud people but yeah. this william coke guy he's got like a billion dollar wine cellar and he's just it's more than he'll ever drink and a lot of it's just kind of like i don't know a trophy type thing and in my opinion not saying he deserves to have fakes but if there are people who are going to end up with fakes, it's going to be the people who do that. Yeah. You know, not really serves them right, but in the same vein, if you're just going to hold on to it and not drink it, and you know, who knows, it might go past its prime while you have it stored away so no one else can have it because you've got the only 10 bottles in existence. Yeah, don't be a dick. It's like, I mean, not that you deserve it, but it's, to me, it's a little bit of karmic retribution. <laughs> Like it's something that yes, it'll be expensive, but someone might be able to snag up one bottle, mm-hmm. and it's you know right in its prime, and they drink it, and it's this great experiential thing, and you're just holding it hostage for yourself because you want to have it. Yeah. Do you want to hear the murder? Oh, do we have time for the rest of it? Struggling through All right. your thing. We will take a quick pee break, and we'll be right back. Let me take you back. Let me take you to the year Where? of when? 1985. It's like ancient history. <laughs> All right. So, in 1985, Austra- Australia, not Australia, I'm sorry, Austria, Austria. Mm-hmm, was exporting a lot of their wine out to Germany. Okay. And so, like, they were doing, I wrote it down somewhere. They were doing a lot of wine. So, before 1985, Austria was exporting probably 45 million liters of wine per year. Okay. So, they're exporting a lot of wine. It's a huge income of their... Let's see, math. 45 million liters? Are you trying to figure out how many bottles of wine that would be? Okay. While you do that, I'll tell you more about it. So, um, at this time, there was an increasing trend of, like, semi-sweet to sweet white wines that were dominating the wine, wine sales. So that's five million cases of wine. Holy crap. That's a lot of wine that that's they're shipping over. Yeah. yeah. So they're targeting semi-sweet and, and sweet white wines and sending those over to Austria. Or, I'm sorry, to Germany. Okay. So at this time, uh, Germany's also producing wines, and they're both kind of um, at the same level of sweetness. And two of the main, like, producing processes that they're going through and using to produce these sweet wines yeah. are one noble rot which okay. um botrytis yeah botrytis so we try and protect against that yeah in here a lot of our wine or our grapes yeah here in the oregon oregon um you know industry wine industry well so there are some grapes that will take to it for a sweet wine that you can let it happen. well explain what botrytis is it's a mold that grows on grapes that are kind of wet or you know skins crack and they rot some away yeah but, but it like concentrates does it do anything to the concentration of the sugars or does it like increase um, the sugars not really okay. it affects flavor so like for pinot it affects flavor in a bad way um but for some varieties you can let the rot set in let the grapes raisin a bit and then you can use that to make a sweet wine Okay, Because it adds a complimentary flavor. Gotcha. That's like that Botticelli we had. Ooh, oh, really it's good. so good. That's the right varietal with the right amount of rot. If you ever, rot. If you're ever in the El Dorado area of California, please stop by Miraflores. That's M-I-R-A-F-L-O-R-E-S. Yeah. Space F-L-O-R-E-S. Yeah. Pretty flowers. 
Or look at yeah, look at flowers. I think I don't know. It's Spanish, <laughs> but they do a very good botticelli. Oh, it's so good. They have amazing they sweet have wines. It. Okay. Anyway, so another process that they were using to um, to have like those sweet wines was a new process that I haven't heard of called sweet reserve. And what you do is you save the must from your wine that you make. Okay. And and then you blend it back into the wine. So you blend the wine with its own must. Yeah. So, I don't know how that works, but apparently it increases the the sweetness of the wine. Okay. Yeah. So, um, Austrian exporters had entered into long-term contracts with supermarket chains to supply okay. large quantities of wine. This is all copied from Wikipedia. Thanks, Wikipedia. Go support them. Have you donated your $3? <laughs> Not yet, but I will. I promise. You better. <laughs> um, so, they were in these long-term contracts, right? And um, apparently in 1985, some of the producers were running into problems with some weak vintages, vintages, which we talked about earlier. You know, it was just a year where something went wrong and they couldn't get that sugar level to be where they wanted it to be. Most likely be a cooler, wetter year. Yeah. So then. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that. So the grapes basically um maybe like absorbed too much water diluted the sugars in it or they... it just wasn't warm enough for them to produce for the vines to produce a lot of sugar yeah and direct that into the berries mm-hmm. um so there's there are multiple factors but typically if it's cooler and wetter it's a lower sugar year yeah oh typically. i'm sorry this was actually in 1982 when all this started okay so what happened to the wines is that they would be um, a less sweet and less full bo- full bodied and more acidic wine, which wasn't a part of the contract. <laughs> yeah, it was an undesirable flavor. Yeah. Or so, yeah. Um, so they started looking for ways to sweeten the wines. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were some German wine chemists that uh, stated that it was unlikely that an in- individual winemaker of okay. Actually, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Sorry. Okay. You can always just chuck a bag of sugar in there. <laughs> Chapitalization. No, actually, you can't. That's illegal. Depends on what you're doing. Yeah. But typically, it's illegal to sweeten your wine with sugar. Yeah. Apparently. All I didn't know that until... But, like, if you're if you have to harvest and you have low bricks, mm-hmm. I think you're allowed to, if you record it, add sugar to raise your bricks level. Oh, really? To assist in fermentation, yeah. Oh, oh to assist in fermentation, not to yeah. assist in, like, the Flavor sweetness of the wine. No. Because the taste of your wine should only come from whatever f- flavor profiles and sweetness that you're getting from, like, the winemaking process. Yeah. Yeah, okay. But it's a common, well, I don't know how common, but it is a practice, and I'm pretty sure it's called chapitalization. Okay. Where you add sugar to the juice to get your bricks to adjust your bricks level so you get the fermentation you want gotcha yeah so they did find one chemical that would assist in sweetening the wine hold on hold on it would assist in sweetening the wine and it would also make the wines fuller bodied is it they put antifreeze in their wine <laughs> it is called diethylene glycol, which yes. is yeah. <laughs> the main component in antifreeze. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why there's lots of label warning labels on antifreeze. Do not drink because it's sweet. It is it sweet. It tastes good. Yes. I've never tried it, but that's what they tell me. So they were putting antifreeze yeah. into the wine. <laughs> what the fuck? Okay, let me tell you about some of the... Um, the effects of antifreeze some symptoms of like long-term use uh, or long-term ingestion of this diethylene glycol or yeah, long-term um, use um there's car <laughs> won't overheat <laughs> your radiator liquid won't freeze in the winter <laughs> no digestion <laughs> so it's known to cause damage to the kidney, the liver, and the brain, as well mm-hmm. as diarrhea, vomiting, numbness, and abdominal ail- ailments. However, huh. okay, so this is there's never been any confirmed reports of illnesses related to poisoned wine. Yeah. Um, but they did find that there were, like the the most that was found in a in a bottle of wine from this happening from this chemist, 
um, who decided that it was a good idea to advise winemakers to use this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so there was 45, or I'm sorry, 48 grams per liter okay. in a single bottle of wine. So yeah. there's less than a liter of wine in any given bottle of wine. So yeah. there was less than 48 grams per liter. I was looking online and found that it would take 111 grams um, to be a lethal dose of the diethylene glycol. So you have to drink like three bottles of wine yourself. Yeah, basically. I mean, you'd be pushing your alcohol limit too. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of It would be a lot, a lot of wine. wine. So, I mean, like probably the most that would have happened to these people who drink it would be that they would just feel a little sick. Like yeah. it, it wouldn't be super harmful. That was your go-to wine. Yeah. You might have some issues. Yeah, that wouldn't be great. So anyway, because they were um, sending these wines overseas, some of the, or as they were sending the wine overseas, um, there were testing being done. Okay. Uh, just like quality testing yeah. on the wines. And that's how they found that low level of the diethylene glycol in it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, so the person who was the chemist who advised these people on adding um, the diethylene glycol to the wine was Otto Nadrowski Sr., Okay. And he was 58 years old when he was arrested. He was a chemist and wine consultant from Grafenwerth, Lower Austria. Yeah. I probably just, like, destroyed that name. Yeah. Grafenwerth? That sounds good. Grafenwerth? Yeah. But, I don't know. That's my so, best, best crack at it. Yeah. Um, he was 58 when he was arrested. Yeah, he was 58 when he was arrested. And 58 years and two days when he killed himself. Yeah. No? <laughs> Actually, no, but, um, so he Sorry, was... Sorry, Danielle let it slip that there might be a death in this. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just <laughs> trying to figure out when it's coming. This is it, actually, yeah. So, um, well, it actually wasn't him. One of the convicted winemakers... Oh, yeah? Um, Carl Grill, proprietor of Firma... Gebruden, Gebruder Grill committed suicide after being sentenced. So in total, I think there were 17, no, there, there were like, yeah, 17 people, I think, who were uh, convicted of this crime. Okay, that's a like, lot of people. Like, in conjunction with this yeah. crime. Let me Accessories see. or something. Mm-hmm. So... So the the Western, sorry, yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) The West German Federal Health Ministry had released a list of some 350 contaminated wines from Austria, where, I'm sorry, 28 people had been arrested. Oh, wow. And then the Austrian police detained six more people. Huh. Uh, From mid-July of 1985, it was almost impossible to sell Austrian wine to any export market, and some countries introduced a ban. Yeah, thank God, right? Some countries introduced a ban on the import of sale of all Austrian wines. Um, it wasn't until, I think it was 2005, when they finally got caught back up to where they were wow. prior to 1985. Yeah. yeah. It takes a long time for that kind of stuff to blow over. Yeah. <clears throat> so well, It's like with the wine prod stuff I was talking about, once that came out, mm-hmm. there was kind of a, not a panic, but there was like a slowing down of wine auctions and all that stuff the market cooled off because people like well how much fake stuff is actually out there right and a lot of people who talk about it say there's probably a lot more than we think or that we than we know about it Mm -hmm. if you're in the high-end collectible wine market yeah there's probably quite a few fakes out there so moral of the story is if you have any wine that's really old, you might want to double check it and see if anything might be wrong with it. Yeah. <laughs> At least check to make sure it's not one that's suspected of having a antifreeze, antifreeze <laughs> in it. So this report said, um, as a consequence of the scandal, a total of 27 million liters of wine, that's corresponding to 36 million bottles, or seven months' worth of Australia's total wine exports. Of Austria. Or, I'm sorry, of Austria's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> had to be destroyed by Jeez. German authorities. Yeah, just because it might have been suspected. Yeah. I mean, like, it could have contained Yeah. Um, well, that's like the with antifreeze. all the stuff um, with the fire. Mm-hmm. All the tainted stuff was just, like, people would come through, identify it. 
their insurance company would sign off on it and then it would be crushed. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, and there isn't really, like, a great way to get rid of, like, large amounts of wine that's yeah. environmentally friendly. Well, especially um, if it's got antifreeze in it. Yeah. <laughs> so they actually ended up using it in um, cement plants. The ovens of cement plants as a cooling agent instead of water, which yeah. I think is really cool. <laughs> that is pretty good. Yeah. Um, so that was a scandal. Um, this wasn't the first time, though, that uh, diethylene glycol was used in uh, something being sold. Yeah. And in 1937... There was an elixir. This was a long time ago, obviously, but there was an elixir called sulfonilamide, and it was used to treat yeah. everything from gonorrhea to sore throats, which is a large range of things. Nineteen thirty-seven. <laughs> yeah, nineteen thirty-seven. Jeez. So they were doing testing on mice and found that this um, this mixture that they had created that was actually seventy-two percent uh, diethylene glycol. Um, yeah protected against bacterial infections and so they thought hey why not just give it to people <laughs> that sounds like a great idea yeah, so people radiators same thing yeah that's fine <laughs> um but in this case there were 71 adults and 34 children who died from well, the yeah. poisoning that yeah. stuff 70 what'd you say 71 percent 72 percent 72 percent concentration that's way more than you even put in your radiator yeah and that they're like don't even take a sip <laughs> yeah so yeah. that was pretty awful but that is the story of the 1985 diethylene glycol wine scandal oh, who knew who knew I'm i was sure so excited us knew, but... probably <laughs> and i'm sure i left some things yeah. out oh, yeah. but... i missed a lot in mine yeah i will say though for um that book that i was talking about the tangled vines mm -hmm. um it is a really awesome resource if you want to learn about the wine industry in california um, yeah it does use this fire in the warehouse and some of the historic wines that went up in flames not a structure but a good jumping off point to delve into the history of california wines mm -hmm. and the and, whole progression of the industry in california yeah and another thing that comes out of all of this you know this really awful stuff is that there are stricter guidelines on wine production. There's stricter mm -hmm. guidelines on wine storage. And yeah, there's <clears> no <throat> real guidelines on um, at least like high end bottles and the like secondary. And um, oh, I'm sure there is. Well, like you have to be licensed to be like the auction house. Okay. But I could say I've got a bottle of whatever that's worth $20,000. And if it looks right, I can take it to an auction house and a lot of times it seems they might have someone who specializes in that area kind of specializes in it but they might not know that bottle that vintage very well and they'll be like well it seems to look okay yeah and that's all it takes to sell it so in that that realm there's not a lot going on but it's not gonna affect me <laughs> Well, I don't want people, I don't know. It, I mean, just yeah, don't I don't want a bunch people. of fake, expensive yeah. stuff out there. But, yeah. like, I'd rather have guidelines on what goes into the wine mm -hmm. um, and testing on that rather than the energies being focused on um, the auction houses and checking the, like, fourth, fifth tier market of wine. Yeah. Oh, um, so... To add to my story a little bit, it, there was suggesting suggestions that um, the chemist didn't know the effects of diethylene glycol, which I seems... I feel like in the 80s you would know. Yeah, especially after the 1937 thing. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah. but... That seems like someone just trying to be like, oh, we didn't know! Yeah, probably. Don't blame us! But shortly after the scandal, the Steri... I don't know if I pronounced that correct. Styrian hmm. bard Volker Schobitz composed a polka under the <laughs> rhyming title Zumwold Glycol, which means cheers, Glycol. <laughs> glycol was, and Glycol was also announced to be the 1985 Ward of the Year. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Zoom ball glycol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. Well, 
Cool. Yeah. Those are really fun. Yeah. They're interesting. Those are so fun to research. Last night I was, you know, doing last minute research. Oh, go ahead. Move it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so last Old night I was doing here. some, you know, last minute research as one does on Wikipedia. And I was just like, this is so crazy and so interesting. And I was like, James, let me tell you the story. <laughs> yeah. She was more jazzed about it than I was because at least the stuff I wanted to talk about, I'd already talked to her about. A little bit, but. A lot of it. Well, I mean... You just weren't paying attention to me because I'd be reading my book and I'm like, this is nuts! This guy burnt down this warehouse that had $250 million worth of wine in it. And you're just like, yeah, that's nice. No, I was interested in it. But it was a long time ago that you told me also. it's been a while. But it was good to hear it all again. That was awesome. We should do these a little bit more often. Maybe not more often, but... Um, any wine crimes that you find super interesting, let us yeah. know about them and we'll talk about them. Murder committed with a bottle of wine. Oh, God. Corkscrew no. Oh, to those the are eye. awful. Too gruesome. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to talk Florida about those. Florida man caught shoplifting two buck chuck. All right. That's fair. <laughs> Some Carlo Razzi yeah. just running out the door with a huge jug. <laughs> or just if you got any general topics you'd like us to cover. Yeah. Let us know on Instagram. Yeah. At Voyage to First Vintage. Mm-hmm. Or you can email, email us. it to us at Voyage or what is it? Voyage to First Vintage at gmail.com. You mean dot gov? Dot edu. No, I'm just kidding. It's dot com, guys. Yeah, Danielle's making it harder than it needs to be. <laughs> We're not that fancy. Voyage to first vintage at gmail.com. <laughs> We're also on Twitter if James ever, you know, yep. tweets anything. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things they tell you to be, like, active and engaging. You have to do at least a tweet a day. Mm-hmm. That's hard. It is hard. <laughs> we don't even do that for our Instagram. No, we don't. <laughs> but our Twitter handle is at Voyage, Voyage underscore first. Yep. Yep. I'll try and be better on that. Yeah. And we have our Patreon uh, we, have we our first patrons. Woohoo! Our patron. Patrons! Thank, Thank you, you, patrons! You know who you are. Thank you. Know. You know. We don't have to tell you. So, the more people we get, the more we ener- time and energy we can spend on the bonus stuff over there. Yeah. So, we'll start out slow and steady. Make sure there's some bonus stuff for you patrons out there. And then, as it grows, we'll be able to. Not necessarily justify, but we'll be able to do more, get more input from you guys mm-hmm. and fine tune that a bit. Yeah. So, you know, if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. Yeah, the reviews are all really nice. We've yeah. got some great reviews so far and everybody's been super supportive. On Instagram, just the other day, I have the first person that, like, didn't know us and we didn't know them be like oh i love your podcast oh, and i yeah. was like what <laughs> like yeah. people are Someone listening who don't know us not related to us is listening <laughs> this is awesome but, but yeah i mean we just appreciate you guys listening at the you know not at the very least but like you know what i mean yeah let me we... try and bungle my words more <laughs> we appreciate you guys listening it means a lot it does mean a lot some people out there are enjoying our very slow journey yeah i think we've had like maybe 30 or more downloads per episode yeah which is three or four times more than i thought we would yeah so you know if you guys like what you're hearing then let us know and we'll keep producing these episodes oh i wasn't planning on stopping even if they didn't like it (laughs) (laughs) me neither i like what i'm doing (laughs) but let us know you know the the stuff that you like more than other things yeah if you have the energy to send us a message that would help us produce more of the stuff you guys like. Sure. I mean, we want to keep it trained a bit on our voyage, but yeah. obviously we're doing kind of some odds and ends branching out a bit to try mm-hmm. and keep things interesting. Yeah. So let us know what's working. Let us know what's not. We're flexible. <laughs> yeah. And we will see you next week with a whole new episode. Yeah. Probably well, an knows? interview. Who knows at this point? 
we have exhausted our first round of interviews by now. Oh. So. Like, we've we've recorded them and edited them and published them at this yeah. point. So yeah. So, as far as we are now recording this, mm-hmm. at least in the lineup of when it comes out, we'll have gone through our first round of interviews already. Yep. But we do have some that are in the works. Yes, in I'm continuing to reach out to other wineries and we're contacting them by Skype. So it's going to be more than just wineries in the Willamette yep. Valley region, we're which gonna is going to be really fun. Up. I think our next one's in Texas. Is um, in Kansas. Basically. Ah, Kansas. Lynn County's Kansas first winery. Hmm. Cool. So that'll be coming your way. Yeah. Um, we'll get some from the Sierra Foothills. Soon, hopefully sooner. Yeah. Than later, but we've got we have about, one scheduled at, one at the lined up. at the end of March. We have an interview scheduled. Yep. Yeah. So not long after this comes out, we'll be doing our first El Dorado County interview. Yeah. And hopefully that'll come out shortly. Yeah. Um, so if you guys are part of the wine industry and would like to be on our podcast, uh, go ahead and reach out to us as well, and we'll see if we can schedule an interview with you too. Yeah. We love learning new things. We love hearing about like the different techniques that people are using in their vineyard. Uh, we just spoke yep. to somebody in the Willamette Valley who is using sheep to graze their yes. vineyards, which is awesome. Yeah, I'm jealous. <laughs> I think that would be a lot of fun. It wouldn't be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and with that, thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks, guys. We'll quit rambling on and on and on. Yeah, we'll let you get back to your whatever you're doing. Yeah. Driving in your, your car. normal life not being interrupted and annoyed by us <laughs> and we'll see you in a week see you in a week where's that remote <laughs> adios muchachos Sayonara, suckers <laughs> hey um we just wanted to clarify one thing that we talked about in this episode um we talked a lot about antifreeze in the wines and <laughs> that was a long time ago i just wanted to make sure everybody knew that this is something that isn't done anymore obviously the restrictions have tightened um with what you can do with wines and what you can add Mm -hmm. well even then it was probably illegal yeah so it shouldn't have been happening well it it was a chemist who had suggested this chemical to add to the wines and apparently he had no idea of the effects uh, on humans um so well it's something that does not happen these days yeah we just so, didn't want anybody not to turn you off wine yeah we didn't want anybody to be scared about going out and drinking some wine thinking that there might be antifreeze oh, in it oh it's sweet it's antifreeze <laughs> no that's not it's the not. case so with that we'll leave you guys alone for now and see you next week see you next week bye